Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. For tonight's episode, I've chosen Suspense. In the episode Arctic Rescue, first aired December 22nd, 1952. Sort of based on the true story of the doomed British naval expedition led by Sir John Franklin in 1845 and his two lost ships, Erebus and Terror. The captain and the 128-member crew were officially determined as deceased in 1854. The episode is based on the 1857 expedition funded by Lady Franklin to find out what happened to the expedition. Arctic Rescue is a fictional story that does not represent the events of any of the search expeditions, nor does it represent the current knowledge of the horrific fate of the Franklin expedition, nor does it accurately explain the fate of the Erebus. Arctic Rescue is accurate, however, in recreating the grueling conditions that 19th century explorers endured for the purpose of finding the Northwest Passage, and mixes that together with the magic of Christmas. Joseph Cotton stars as Mr. Stewart, who first gained worldwide fame in the Orson Welles film Citizen Kane in 1941, went on to become one of the leading Hollywood actors in the 1940s, appearing in such films as one of Joshua's favorites, The Third Man of 1949. Cotton was friends with Orson Welles and an inaugural member of Welles Mercury Theatre Company. Arctic Rescue also stars... Joseph Kearns, Dennis the Menace's crabby next-door neighbor, who appears on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society two weeks in a row. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Joseph Cotton in tonight's presentation of Suspense. One hundred years ago, this week, a group of brave men risked their lives in a desperate effort to save their fellow men. Tonight, Autolite honors this centennial with a dramatic recreation of their attempted Arctic rescue. Our star, Mr. Joseph Cotton. What's in the package? Ah, the world's best Christmas present, Hap. For whom? My car. It's an Autolite Stay Full battery, the famous battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. That sure is a real present. Right you are, Hap. The Autolite Stay Full is always a real present for every car and every car owner because money just can't buy a better battery. Why, the Autolite Stay Full has fiberglass retaining mats protecting every positive plate to reduce shedding and flaking and give longer life as proved by tests 
conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. Where can I find this famous battery, Harlow? Under the hoods of millions of cars and at your Autolite battery dealer. He services all makes of batteries, and you can quickly locate him by looking for the Autolite battery sign or just call Western Union by number... And ask for Operator 25. I'll gladly tell you the name of your nearest Autolite battery dealer where you can get an Autolite staple. The battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And remember, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite presents a dramatic recreation of Arctic Rescue, starring Joseph Cotton, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. Picture this if you can. Christmas night, miles and miles of endless, empty, broken white ice, an ice floe drifting somewhere in the vicinity of the 73rd parallel north of the Arctic Circle, nothing but ice, that is nearly nothing. If you look carefully through the winter night, you'll see two tiny, dark blemishes, the figures of two men, one twisted in an unconscious heap is our skipper, Jonathan Blake. The other figure, Gerald Stewart, first mate, me. It makes a good, sorry picture. Civilized men in a primitive wilderness of ice waiting helplessly for death. I, a sorry picture. It's a far different picture you'd have seen if you'd been a part of the excited crowd standing at the battery on the New York waterfront on a June morning, the year 1852. The moment of departure? Aye, Lady Franklin, we must take the high tide. May God and his great mercy protect you and your men from the perils which await you. The men are prepared for hardships, Lady Franklin. We shall succeed where the others have failed in ending the mystery of the Erebus and Terror. Aye, and back to Aberdeen in time for a Christmas feast. <laughs> and we'll prepare a Christmas celebration your men will never forget, Captain. We're leaving for England next week. I shall pray for you, Mr. Stewart. For all of you. Thank you, Miss Craycroft. I'll stand many a watch out at sea thinking of last night, the ball, dancing, and you. Uh, that is, all of us will, I mean. Uh, what my first mate is trying to tell your niece, Lady Franklin, is how grateful the officers and crew are for the farewell ball you held in their honor last night. I'm the grateful one, Captain Blake. Please bring them all home safely. Oh, come now, Lady Franklin, no need for why. Jessica's a sturdy ship, and the men are in good health and lofty spirits. We'll be back by Christmas, you'll see. Uh, the tide will change. We must be on our way. Then goodbye and good luck, Captain. Goodbye, Lady Franklin. Miss Craycroft. Goodbye, Captain Blake. Goodbye, Mr. Stewart. Godspeed. Thank you. We shall see you in Aberdeen Christmas week. Let's get aboard, Mr. Stewart. Yes, sir. Bye, Lady Franklin. Starkey? Yes, sir. Drop the gangway? Yes, sir. All hands at their mooring stations, Mr. Stewart? Yes, sir. I'll then pass the orders to cast off. Aye, sir. All hands, prepare to cast off. All hands, prepare to cast off. Let go one and two. Let go one and two. Let go three and four. Let go three and four. 
Bishop's underway, sir. Aye. Well, Mr. Stewart, fill your eyes with the sight of New York. The last of it you'll be seeing for some time to come. Aye. Good long time. I am, sir. As the Jessica moved slowly to the outer harbor, I watched a tiny, delicate white dot in the crowd at the wharf. She stood there beside Lady Franklin, waiting. And I watched until the morning fog erased the sight of the New York waterfront. Aside from the ship's log, I have decided to keep a running account of this voyage. This account will be transferred to a watertight jar and thrown into the currents should any sudden disaster occur. The first three weeks of navigating north were merely a matter of settling down to ship's routine. On June 30th, after officer's mess, we sighted Point Farewell on the Greenland coast. The time had come for the captain to read a letter of instruction given to him by Lady Franklin. <coughs> captain Blake. I'm sure you will do all that any man can in discovering the fate of my husband, Sir John Franklin, and his two ships, the Erebus and Terra. But my only fear is that you might sacrifice your lives in the unknown regions of the Arctic. Therefore, let me state that above all else, the preservation of the lives of you and your heroic companions is more important to me than the purpose of your journey. May God in his great mercy preserve you all from harm amidst the perils which await restore you to us safely and in health, as well as honor. Your sincere and attached friend, Jane Franklin. Well, these are the only written instructions I have, gentlemen. Now then, uh, Mr. Stewart, uh, the map, please. Yes, sir. Well, there it is, gentlemen, the most recent admiralty map of the Arctic regions that we are approaching. Well, it's almost completely blank. Aye, Mr. Halliday, thousands of miles of uncharted wilderness. And somewhere in that frozen tundra, Sir John Franklin and his men vanished. Aye. Our search will begin tomorrow when we drop anchor in Godhab. We'll pick up our ice pilot, Mr. Patrick Hansen, some additional supplies, and then make for the Arctic Circle. Arctic Circle? <laughs> Sounds like the edge of the world, eh, Stuart? Yeah, a little frightening, too. You frightened? Mr. Holliday, if I were you, I'd respect Mr. Stewart's fear of what lies before us. Captain, I was just thinking. If Franklin was looking for the Northwest Passage, he'd probably make an approach through, uh, here. Through Lancaster Sound. Ah. And he must have passed Pond's Bay, uh, here. And according to our information, there are Eskimos at Pond's Bay. They might have seen his ship sent to Lancaster Sound. If they did, then we'll have something to go by. I hope Mr. Hansen understands the Eskimo dialects. They can tell us much. I don't see how we can cover all this territory and get back by Christmas, Captain. We have no choice, Mr. Stewart. If we get caught beyond the Arctic Circle after the summer months, we may never get back. Never? Aye. In the winter, the seas are covered with great ice floes. Once a ship is frozen in those latitudes, it'll stay there until the summer thaw. You can't imagine the horrors we'd endure in an Arctic winter, Mr. Halliday. Are you... I suppose not. Franklin and his men were probably frozen in for the winter. And, and they were never heard from again. Exactly. Well, that'll give you a brief idea of what went for, gentlemen. We'll know more after Mr. Hansen comes aboard. Any questions? I have nothing but questions, Captain. I wish I had the answers, Stuart. <laughs> Mr. 
noon the next day, we dropped anchor in the harbor at Gotham. Here we would take on coal, additional winter clothing, dogs and Eskimo drivers, and Mr. Hansen, our ice pilot. Gotham was nothing more than a few huts of the Baffin Bay Trading Company, and as we prepared to go ashore, a longboat suddenly appeared alongside. Captain Blake. Aye. I'm Patrick Hansen, your ice pilot, sir. We were about to send a boat ashore for you, Mr. Hansen. No time for that, Captain. But uh, we planned on picking up supplies and dogs. I brought them. They're in the boat. Well, what's the rush, Mr. Hansen? Oh, this is Gerald Stewart, my first mate. You've never been in the Arctic before, Mr. Stewart? No. Take my word for it. You better get up there while they got the summer weather, you bet. All right, so we run into a little summer ice. The Jessica's prepared for that. Yeah, she looks like good, strong ship. Hey. You've never seen iron ship up here before. And steam engine, too. <laughs> That's not all that Jessica has. There's additional iron plates across her hull, as well as added bracing for a chip in the forward ten feet of the bow is solid iron and razor sharp at the edge. What do you think that'll do to your ice, Mr. Hansen? You wait and you see what the ice can do to a ship. Even an iron ship, Mr. Stewart. Uh, uh, Mr. Hansen, you received my letters. Yeah. And you made inquiries about the Erebus and Terra? Yeah, they was here. They couldn't get dogs, so they headed for Pawns Bay. Across Baffin Bay? That's right. Ah, just as we thought. Mr. Halliday. Aye, sir. Get those supplies aboard, then prepare the ship to sea. Right away, sir. At once. Steward. Yes, sir. You can chart a course for us. We'll cross the Arctic Circle next and on to Ponds Bay. We set it north by northwest course, leaving the last outpost of civilization behind us and crossed the Great Baffin Bay. On July 4th, we crossed the Arctic Circle without ceremony. Then we had ice freezing on deck and in the rigging. A day later, we saw our first floating iceberg. For this time of year, we should not have seen either one. From Gotab to Pons Bay, six and a half days, perfect calm. Upon landing, we found a small contingent of Eskimos, but nothing else. They seemed hostile and would give us no information. Then, as we were preparing to return to the Jessica, one of the natives, a girl, rushed from one of the huts and down to the beach. Oh, oh, what's she saying, Mr. Hanson? I'm not sure. Oh, Captain, look. She has something in her hand. She wants us to look at it. Oh, it's a small brass button. From a naval uniform. Aye. See if she'll trade it for some sewing needle. Ose. Galaga. Well, what does she mean by that? Ose. Yosef. She's trying to say man's name. Ose. Galaga. Joseph Gallagher? Stuart, is, is that name on Sir John's crew list? I'm uh, looking, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's here. Quartermaster Joseph Gallagher. They've been here. Aye. Uh, better get back to the ship, man. Looks like a gale brewing. Oh, sir. Oh, uh, let her keep the button, Stuart. Uh, give her the needles, too. Yes, sir. Oh, sir. After leaving Pond's Bay, two months passed without incident. Then we entered Lancaster Sound and approached the scarcely charted islands along Barrow Strait. There we, we encountered great mountains of floating ice. And we had only a few hours of twilight each day. We crossed the 75th parallel and north into Wellington Channel to Bathurst Island, the last of the charted islands on my maps. 
than on September 10th, weather changed. Northwest gales, sleet, and heavy fogs that forced us to a bare crawl, and even worse, mammoth ice flows that closed in all around us. Oh, Mr. Stewart. Yes, sir. Keep an eye on the temperature. I am, sir. Ice! Ice! Get ahead! Quartermaster, starboard six degrees. Sleet, you've been getting smaller all the time. Captain, the temperature is still dropping. Ten above zero. What do you think of this lead, Hanson? I think maybe they better back out of here. Back out? Take a look astern, Hanson. Back out where? Captain. Oh, what is it, Alder? The rudder will not respond. Six below, sir. I dead ahead! The lead is getting smaller, Captain. Aye, aye. Well, the Arctic seems to be closing down on us on all counts. The walls of the lead moved in closer until a man could jump to the ice from either side of the ship. And then the Jessica was cutting through the ice, making her own lead, but slowly we lost speed. Finally, the ship gave up to the ice. He throws it in, though. Aye. Stop engines, Mr. Stewart. Yes, sir. Well, Captain Blake, looks like they can forget about looking for Sir John Franklin in his ships. Now that we've frozen in, we're going to have to look out for our own lives, you bet. Bringing you Mr. Joseph Cotton in Arctic Rescue. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. T'was the night before Christmas, and outside the door, a man was trying his starter once more. But try as he would, the car wouldn't go, for the battery was dead. Out of water, you know. That man should have had an Autolite stay-full battery, Harlow. <laughs> right you are, Hap. There's the battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Because the Autolite stay-full has over three times the liquid reserve of batteries without stay-full features. And, in addition, it has fiberglass retaining mats protecting every positive plate to reduce shedding and flaking and give longer life as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. Money just can't buy a better battery. So, friends, see your nearest Autolite battery dealer. He services all makes of batteries, and he has an Autolite stay full for your car if a replacement is needed. Just call Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. And I'll tell you where you can get an Autolite stay full battery, the battery that needs water only three times a year. In normal car use. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Joseph Cotton in Elliot Lewis's production of Arctic Rescue, a true story well calculated to keep you in suspense. September 10th, 1852. Unless a miracle occurred, we were frozen in the Arctic for the rest of the winter months. A sea of ice surrounded us, 
and the ship took on a starboard list from the pressure of the flow. Rations were cut in food, water, and coal consumption. Furious gales came and went, and there were more freezing temperatures, often as low as 35 below. The doctor was a busy man. Nearly all hands suffered from frostbite, many from gangrene. Conditions aboard the Jessica were deplorable. I thought they couldn't get worse. October came, November. December, and we thought of home and the holidays and of Lady Franklin and Miss Craycroft sitting alone at the Christmas feast that was to be held in our honor. On Christmas Day, the cook outdid himself. We had a feast aboard the Jessica on the last of the salt pork and beef. And with the last of the allsop sale and minced meat, the cook made pies. And we had us a celebration, Christmas Day, 1852. Men, men, the captain has a word to say. I, uh, dropped below to offer you my greetings on this holiday and to wish you a much happier Christmas next year. Christmas Eve, 1853, one year later. We're still frozen in. Summer came and passed without an appreciable rise in temperature, and the ice failed to break up. Men living on pemmican occasionally bear meat and seal blubber. No more lime juice, this means scurvy. The year also saw the loss of 11 men, the doctor and the ice pilot Hanson among them. Two in a chase for the polar bear, three from scurvy, and the rest from gangrene. Most of the men have frostbite. Our second Christmas in the Arctic. The flow that holds the ship is drifting south down Peel Sound. We saw the shores of King William's Island. The captain sent Halliday and three men on sledge to look for food depots or rock cairn, anything. They returned today. Where'd you find it, Halliday? In a cairn. We also found empty pemmican cans and bits of ship's timber. Sure. Listen to this. It was written by Franklin himself. 1851, latitude 69 degrees, longitude 98 degrees west. HMS Terror sank when ice broke. Erebus still frozen in. Beset since April 12, 1850. We are deserting the Erebus. Attempting overland march to Baxfish River, to Hudson's Bay. If unheard from when this found, we must be considered lost. Sir John Franklin, Captain HMS Erebus. We found what we came for. Aye. They're all dead. Aye. If something doesn't happen pretty soon, we'll be dead too. Makes for a very merry Christmas, Captain. Captain. I heard the ice breaking. How long do you think our iron plates will last against this, Captain? Great cracks opened in the ice, and then out of the water through the openings, another great mountain of ice would rise. Great slabs of surface, a hundred yards wide, shattered, upended, and sank into the churning water. All around us, great jagged fingers of ice crashed. Up. Oh, hands abandoned! Oh, 
no chance. We're going out on the ice, too. Yes, sir. I could feel the ship jarring loose under me, and suddenly the Jessica wrenched sharply, throwing me across the deck. The last sound in my ears was that of the Jessica tearing loose from the ice. Slowly, I became aware of pain in my leg, then of movement. I opened my eyes. The captain was helping me to walk. I looked into the winter darkness for the familiar sight of the Jessica. I saw nothing. Nothing but ice. Skipper. Huh? No feeling better, lad? What about the ship? Gone down. And the, the rest of the men? I, I don't know. Gone. The flow separated most of them were on the other side. Where? Where are we walking to? I don't know. I don't know. We walked on and on, climbing jagged hummocks of ice and falling through thin spots. Legs got wet, froze. We, we beat, beat the ice off and we, we kept walking. Walking in circles through the Arctic night. Endless circles. Uh, we'll rest a bit. Ah, oh, rest. Sleep a bit in the ice. Warm, comforting ice. No, don't, don't, don't sleep. My eyes grew heavy. I craved sleep. But the sleep was to die. I was ready. In the sky over the horizon, a star. The night was overcast. There were no other stars, just, just one. Bright in the distance, I could see it. I, I, I stood. It was still there. A bright star over the horizon. Captain. Uh, on your feet, Captain. Uh, We're going to keep walking. Walking. Where? That way toward that... That star. We walked on. Slowly. I carried the skipper. Unconscious now. What... Oh, what could it be? There are no lights in the Arctic. No stars through the overcast. But we... Moving, and the star came closer. I couldn't believe what suddenly appeared. Through the darkness directly beneath the star was the vague outline of a ship. A ship. Mates! Mates, help! Help me! Coming out of it. Stuart. Uh, Stuart. A ship. I saw. Starkey. Halliday. I. In the flesh. I, I saw a ship. I know. You're on it. See? But. Where did. Did it come from? 
Not the Jessica? I know. That's the Erebus, one of Franklin's ships. The one they deserted. Erebus? Where did it come from? Well, there we were. All of us. Except you and the captain lying on that flue. After the Jessica went down, ready to die just as we thought you had. And then just as graceful as you please, you see a ship drifting slowly out of the fog through the broken ice. Right to us. But the captain, I left him out on the ice. It's all right. We brought him aboard, and pretty soon we'll be on our way home. Home. Aye. The ice is open. We can get out. The Erebus will take us back. Now, how's that for a Christmas surprise? I followed a star. What? Hmm. He's sleeping. What was that he said? He followed the star? Aye. He must have seen that lantern we hung from the mainmast and mistook it for a star. Oh. Hmm. Saved his life. Damn the captain. <laughs> well, being that it's still Christmas, I guess you could call it a uh, miracle, eh, Starkey? Aye. I guess you could at that, sir. Suspense. Presented by Autolite, tonight's star, Mr. Joseph Cotton. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Autolite, world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. Autolite is proud to serve the greatest names in the industry. They are members of the Autolite family, as well as are the 98,000 Autolite distributors and dealers in the United States and thousands more in Canada and throughout the world. Our family also includes the nearly 30,000 men and women in 28 great Autolite plants from coast to coast and Autolite plants in many foreign countries, as well as the 18,000 people who have invested a portion of their savings in Autolite. Every Autolite product is backed by constant research and precision built to the highest standards of quality and performance. So remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. Next week, a story from your morning newspaper. The dramatic expose of narcotics peddling among teenagers, as reported in Melody in Dreams. Our star, Mr. John Lund. That's next week on Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Morrowick and conducted by Lud Luskin. Arctic Rescue was written for Suspense by Gus C. Bays. Featured in tonight's cast were Joseph Kearns, Norma Varden, Lillian Bayef, Fred Mackay, Barney Phillips, Clayton Post, and Ben Wright. Joseph Cotton can currently be seen in the Burt Friedloeb production, The Steel Trap, a 20th Century Fox release. Remember next week, John Lund in Melody in Dreams. Eight million Americans are suffering from arthritis or rheumatism. Recent medical discoveries have given these people hope of cure from this crippling disease. You can help make this hope a reality by mailing a contribution to Arthritis, Care of Your Local Postmaster. 
Friends, on behalf of the entire Autolite family and all of us on suspense, this is Harlow Wilcox wishing all of you a very Merry Christmas. Good night. This is the CBS Radio Network. You are listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And that was an episode of Suspense called Arctic Rescue, a little Christmas story for y'all, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'm really uh, excited. I get more excited about the ones that I chose Mm -hmm. to find out what you guys thought. Uh, I will just throw this out there. I listened to a lot, 15 probably, before I settled on the last two I picked. I was like, oh, I was having such a hard time. Like, I enjoyed it, but no, not for the podcast. Then I heard this one, and I went, oh, man, I really liked it. I really liked <laughs> it. It's not going to hurt my feelings if you hated it, <laughs> but I just want I just that, that I enjoyed this a lot. Plus, it had just enough christmas in it to make it <laughs> yeah <laughs> to just mean. enough to not be you know all christmasy and 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 but uh, enough to make you sad about uh, a lot of things and a little terrified uh, i think um so uh let's get right to it tim what uh, do you think i uh, several thoughts on this uh, and the one that pops up first because you just mentioned it is the the christmas party for whatever reason just the the image of these ladies throwing this big Christmas party for this ship that didn't come back. <laughs> it's so sad to me. Yes, right. It's just so... Parties where people are invited and don't show up. Or, I don't know why it's so sad this to me. Is, this is a Christmas party for the ship that was going to go and find what happened to her husband. And right. the ship did not come back. Right. So yeah. it's extra it's not, yeah, it's, it's not just... The ship, yeah, they're going to find, go find my husband, then we'll have a Christmas party for you, and then that ship doesn't, but she's got to feel terrible. Stop sending people out. All the food, just going to go bad. I, I, <laughs> I get a little neurotic about it, I think. Um, and, and to transition from the neuroses, I also, part of my brain, this whole discussion is me working on Arctic. It's pronounced Arctic. Yeah, I just because I want to say Arctic. No, it's 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 me. That's going to be Arctic, Arctic, Arctic. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm saying Arctic, which is that's, wrong. That's and what I, I said want. it at the wrong at the beginning. Said it. I, I don't care. And I also want to. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of things. I got a lot of a lot of uh, stuff to say. This is our first episode of going back and revisiting one of the series we've already done before. Yeah, Up to this oh, point, yes. we've already it's our second nice. suspense. Yes, our second suspense uh-huh. series. Ah. Well, let's have a little moment for that. <laughs> we should a, throw a party, right? <laughs> a quiet, suspenseful moment. Uh, Joshua, f- initial thoughts. It felt a lot like an episode of Escape. I even went online to look mm-hmm. up if this was one of the scripts they reused, because Escape has that sort of man against nature or man in an impossible situation. Suspense does it quite often, too, but there's something that felt... Uh, very much reminded me of Escape. Uh, however, it wasn't. Um, but it still, I think, is really captivating. I think the um, fact that it's loosely based on real events mm-hmm. is kind of 
interesting, which I didn't realize the first time I listened. And then I went back and uh, looked up some of it. But I mean, the first time I listened to it, when they mentioned the ships that he sailed often initially, uh, Lord Franklin, uh, the the Erebus and the Terror, I yeah. just immediately went, that's like the worst name for these ships you go in. Like that's and, like Sir Sinks a lot. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> we're, we're going to leave an icy death and the unspeakable horror, our two ships. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Lack of food and scurvy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. And so I thought that seems strange. So my, but then it was strange because it was real. Right. <laughs> I looked it up. Oh, that was really their ship. That explains a lot. Uh, I, I like uh, the aha moment uh, when they're celebrating Christmas uh, iced in in 1852, and they start you know singing Silent Night, and then they're like a year passes, and you're like, what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is a moment. It is a huge moment. It's one of the, my main notes of why I love this. Uh, you know, I enjoyed a lot of aspects to listening to this. But that one, I was like, okay, so the longest you could possibly last, this is in my head, you know, trapped up there with the food and everything is, you know, a week. Like, I don't know, like, how mm-hmm. long you can last. When it started to get exposed that they were, then... The second Christmas passed. I went, what? They were up there for two years trapped? Is that possible to be that trapped? Then I was like, yeah, I guess if you just can kill something to eat every now and then and burn something for heat. Uh, But But, people died along the way. They listed all, you know, of of scurvy and polar bear attacks. I think they thought this thing would be like, oh, they miss Christmas and either they're all going to die. Or some of them will come back, but this is not going to go on for more than a month. And they very casually go, and then the second Christmas passed. I went, "Wow, okay, that's a long time." And I and 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 they kind of touched on the crazy factor, get going crazy, being yeah. trapped oh, yeah. on a ship with a bunch of people trapped in ice. And I find that terrifying. Like in the sense, like they uh, they can't get anywhere, they can't go anywhere. Uh, being trapped with men on a ship is terrifying. <laughs> I, I so much stink. <laughs> I worked on a, a a script several years ago that was a set on a World War One U boat. The uh, it, it was really rich in details of exactly this of living with like two dozen people in a two bedroom apartment that you can't leave. Oh, oh even worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Have you been on the U505 and I don't know if it's still in Chicago, the sub that you can visit? No, no. It's a museum now. But you go into this thing and you immediately like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. What do you mean there was a bunch of men? It's so cramped." Yeah. It is so cramped and tiny that it's un and they say they'd be out at sea for 6 months at a time or any like, "No." Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Any water you have is for drinking, and you do not wash anything. And ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Another thing I liked about this, the Christmas side of it, is when they first get up to the Arctic and they say, "Well, we've got to get out of here before Christmas because we're gonna be." iced in if we don't get out of here i like the story kind of turns christmas into like the suspense like the ticking clock mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah oh you're looking forward to christmas <laughs> we got to get out of here before christmas uh so i, I really yeah, like it's that. not just that we have to get back for the party no it's like we're gonna die christmas <laughs> means death if we stay right that long yeah another uh man versus nature moment that i looked up because i was like oh come on and found out it actually can happen is that casual uh, mention where someone in the deck and the deck says, "Oh, you know, it's uh, temperatures ten above," and then fifteen seconds later he says, 6 below." Mm. 
And I looked and said, oh, that actually can happen. And I was like, oh, come on, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Let's write this a little more real. But actually, it can dip that fast and that quick. And, oh. it, and I don't know if you remember that line. Oh, yeah. It really caught me. It's 10 above. It's dropping fast. Six below. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and now we're going to miss Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, I listened to it again today uh, on my drive in the car and we've had a bunch of snow and it's really cold right now and it i don't helps. i don't uh, yeah it certainly helped and i don't i don't like cold i don't like snow so i really <laughs> identified with the captain at the end where he's just like he wants to lay down and die and that's how i feel every time i look out and there's snow i just am ready to give up like, i'm just gonna lay down in this someone carry ice. me to a boat <laughs> i will lay down and die i'm not gonna give up and you know i love snow i mm-hmm. love cold i I could live year round in winter and lots of. He's snow. like a big dog. He runs out there and rolls around. <laughs> it's in It's true, <laughs> and I love it. And this was at a certain point. I went, "Wow, that would be too much." Like that. Too <laughs> much snow. The foley, uh, the cracking of the ice, and the ship being destroyed. All of that I thought was really, really great. I wanted to mention that moment in particular after the really uh, well scripted and paced grueling scurvy and lime juice running away and then it suddenly breaks and it is this huge action-packed moment of Mm -hmm. ice breaking through the ice that was really a powerful impact i thought it really paid off there's a couple of different movies and novels that use this this idea of a lot of nothing followed by you, you know something's coming do you ever see uh I'm going to get the name of the movie wrong, and I'm so sorry. Inglorious Bastards. Is it Inglorious Bastards? Is that the name of that movie? or the Tarantino uh, one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a couple of scenes in there. Oh, one, yes. when the people are under the floorboards. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, just walking yeah. around having milk. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, all, and it's very tension-filled, and it goes on forever, and you're just waiting. Nothing's happening, but something is going to. And there's another scene in that same movie, actually, where they're in that bar, and you know that they're all dressed up like Germans, and you're just waiting for them to be discovered, Mm -hmm. but they're just playing cards. And there's other great examples of that, but I have friends who have said, I hate that so much that nothing's happening. And I, (laughs) nothing's happening. I... I'm so far out on the edge of my seat. Wait, <laughs> and I felt that way about this. Like nothing's happening to the extent of not that this took a long time, but they explained, you know, it's taking a long time. So you get that feeling of nothing. And then as Tim said, boom, here we go. Now it's happened. And it, it happened so fast. And I, that's what you're waiting for. Like that big explosion of action. And I loved it. Yeah. And, the, and the, all those rich little details in the in, when nothing air quotes I'm making the air quotes uh, nothing is happening is is investing you in these characters and it's investing mm-hmm. in the situation so you really feel yourself trapped in there with them. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder about the, how happy the happy ending is. Yeah, one guy makes it back. Two guys. Oh yeah, two guys. But it then sounds like the other people who they thought died in the boat also survived. Oh yeah, they all. You know, what am I they saying? All, right. Two, two guys. They all found a boat. Yeah. The, all everyone who was alive when the ice broke lived. It sounded like, yeah, and we're gonna able to make it back. And it does add on this this Christmas ending. It's sort of weird because historically they never found the Erebus. I, I no. read that they found that in 2014. Oh yeah, that's the, right. The remains of it. So really recently, 
what if they're all dead at the end and they're still just on the ice because you have you have them no you have them he's literally he sees the Christmas star but he's really he's moving toward the light uh-huh. <laughs> and he gets on the Erebus which is essentially the, the underworld and all the people he thought died are actually there waiting for him and it's this Christmas miracle and I think they're just why you gotta spoil this why you gotta That's be like my this? interpretation of it <laughs> I like yours better <laughs> We need, let's let's pretend that's what happened. It, it can't be true. They, they never found the Arabic. So, or maybe it was a happy ending, and then it cut off right before they got locked in again. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in 2014, they found all these. They found Joseph Cotton's dead body. <laughs> Tim, do you like it? Oh yes, very much so. So, stands test of time, or yeah, I'm scary. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was suddenly taken by that. I don't know why I didn't expect the question. All of a sudden, <laughs> right. you know, the question at the end of it comes every time. Well, I don't. Do you like it? Why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it's a, a classic, old style adventure story. Is what it is. I think. I like the adventure of that. Yeah. Joshua? Yeah, I, I like it a lot. It totally is still suspenseful. It helps that it's an actual period piece, too. And it's based on, on real things. It's taking liberties, but it's it's just... A lot of liberties. Fun. It's well done. It's what suspense does so well. They can be really melodramatic, too, and they somehow make it work. That opening is so good. Yeah. The, the literal cold open, <laughs> where he's, he's describing the two men on the icy tundra, yep. and will they live, and the music swells. Yep. Yeah. I like it a lot. I loved it. I also like that I found something you had never heard before, Joshua. Yeah, I've never heard this one. Yeah, uh-huh. that's that's rare. Because <laughs> he's got nothing but time. <laughs> all right, well, that's that's it. I think we all agreed that it stands the test of time, that it was suspenseful, had some scary moments, and uh, well-written, and we give and it a stamp of approval. <laughs> and it's cold up here. <laughs> Uh, go to our website, ghoulishdelights.com, if you're not only, already there. That is... Ghoulishdelights.com. That's Tim's website. I don't know why I always make you repeat that, but it makes me laugh. And it's fun. <laughs> Tim, say it again. Ghoulishdelights.com. <laughs> there, you will be able to go on our website after listening to this and uh, give your own vote. Yes, we have a poll where you can say if you thought it stands the test of time, if you thought it was terrible, or somewhere in between. Also, uh, if you're on iTunes listening to this, you can help us out by... Writing a review. We've had a couple of you great listeners write some already, but please write some more. We like reviews. Yes, and also uh, we are endeavoring in a new project. Uh, We will be uh, performing recreations of radio broadcasts live at the James Hill Library in St. Paul. If you're in the area, please get the information off of the website. But uh, starting in January, we're going to do old-time radio recreations, which we've done before as uh, actors, uh, but... uh, now it's tied in with this, so you can come in and judge us as well. But all that information from the James Hill Library uh, performances are on ghoulishdelights.com. Oh, <laughs> boy. Who's got the next one? It's Joshua. I've got the next one. Uh, next time, we will be uh, dipping into New Year's, and we have a New Year's-themed episode of The Shadow entitled The Man Who Murdered Time. Well, there you go. So uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. I guess I'm the only one that's going to wish everybody Merry Christmas. I well, I think we're at my Hanukkah. Are you Kwanzaa? What are, <laughs> yeah, break it up. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, Hanukkah starts on the 24th. So happy Hanukkah. And happy Kwanzaa. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Until next time. Look out!